Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on July 16th, 2021 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features some good numbers and some bad ones. South Carolina has the lowest recidivism rate in the country, and we have some new positive unemployment numbers as well. However, on the flip side, we hear from Dr. Brandon Traxler about our increasing COVID rates, and Richmond Federal Reserve Bank President Tom Barkin talks inflation. But we also got some political news from the campaign trail for you, and Scott Morgan brings us another look at evictions in the state. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your daily life during these more certain times. Leave us a one to three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Let us know where you're calling from, your name, and what's going on. It's midway through July. Back to school's coming. What's going on? 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is moderate, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 9,862 total deaths, and currently there are 601,803 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of July 16th at 4 p.m. A current percent positive rate is 5.5%. And that's not a good thing, folks. That's not positive. Why are you making me say this? Why are these numbers here? These are not good numbers. Currently, 192 patients are hospitalized with COVID-19, 53 patients are in intensive care, and 16 are on ventilators. Our current seven-day moving average for cases is now 423. It's been going up. So far, 2.1 million eligible South Carolinians have received at least one dose of the vaccine, or 49.5%. So close to 50. But only 43.6% have been fully vaccinated. And we have some more insight on all this data for you from DHEC's Director of Public Health, Dr. Brandon Traxler, in the medical section. So stick around. Stick. Stick around. All right, let's start with some good news here at the top. While our state is used to being at the bottom of lists for a variety of things, we are now a bright spot on one. According to the Department of Corrections, South Carolina has the lowest recidivism rate in the country at 29.9%. That's something to celebrate right there, which is what Director Brian Sterling did this week with several agency heads that represent state employees and some private partners that have been working for years to lower the number of people returning to prisons three years after being released. Here's Brian. When I go and talk to um, rotaries or other people, the way I sell this to folks is, who do you want sitting next to your loved one? Do you want someone that has mental health treatment, that has a job, is connected with their family? Do you want someone that has um, stable housing, sit next to your loved one at the bus stop or at the restaurant or at the library? Or do you want someone who doesn't know where their next meal is going to come from, doesn't have their mental health, um, you know, they're not receiving treatment, they don't have housing, they don't have a job, they have no future and no hope. And that's kind of a simple simple thing. When people think of it that way, they say, you know what, I want the first person who has a career, has a path, has a place to stay. Sterling was talking at the Manning Reentry Work Release Center, where the state established its first reentry program three years ago. Partnerships include job training, interviewing, learning soft skills, and more from the Department of Employment and Workforce, which according to Director Dan Elzey, around 2,300 inmates have completed so far, and 71% had jobs when they got out. And that's a huge deal. 
Considering before, inmates were just let out at a bus stop with a couple bucks on them in a non-prison-issued uniform. Some didn't even have driver's licenses or the $50 to get one until Sterling partnered with the DMV to eliminate that barrier. We're going to knock down barriers. We had a lot of barriers. One thing that Director Schwedo and I worked on, there was a fee for getting a, um, an ID. And I'd go around and they'd ask for you know, information. They'd say, hey, I can't afford that. That fee, I think, was $50. Um, and that might, have been, might as well have been a million dollars for some folks because they didn't have the money when they left. So we knocked that down. We're, gonna knock, we're knocking down the housing. We're knocking down the stigmatism about hiring folks. We're educating employees. We get calls all the time. I know the governor does all the time. I need employees. I mean, the, the economy is just humming along here. The unemployment rate is almost, it's one of the lowest in the country, if not the lowest. And these employees want to hire folks, and they know they're going to get good folks who leave corrections because they're going to be prepared. They're going to show up to work. They're going to be ready to work, and they're going to want that second chance. And there are programs for prisoners to take advantage of from minimum security to maximum security level prisons ahead of their release. A big factor in all this has been the General Assembly sending some $4.7 million over the years to creating these programs and funding them that have in fact saved taxpayers money by not having to house returning inmates. Antonio Sadler, a former inmate of 10 years, shared his life-changing story from behind the fence. Take a listen. I did five of those years right here at Manning. Uh, I took classes and facilitated classes in this very building, in this classroom. And I can honestly say that, though I couldn't always see it at the time, this place helped me grow as a man and develop as a better human being. There are people in this agency that are in the business of helping people win their battles. Um, we all have a battle, every one of us. There are people at SEDC and GTL that are in the business of helping people win their battles. Um, I'm thankful for the time that I got to do here. While I was here, I got to use the tablets for the last year. And the tablets had an immediate positive impact on the prison culture and the prison environment. Uh, gave us the opportunity to communicate with our family uh, more readily. It gave us access to life skill classes, educational material. It was a changing event for everyone. And now I can say with pride that I'm an employee of GTL Communications Second Chance Program. And we at GTL are happy and proud to be a small part of the initiative to continue to reduce recidivism in this country. Thank you. Great stuff right there going on in South Carolina. Now let's mosey on to the 2022 campaign trail and beyond. And no, I'm not talking about Democratic gubernatorial candidate Joe Cunningham announcing he supports legalizing marijuana in a state that can't even get the most conservative medicinal marijuana bill to the floor of the Senate for a vote. We're not talking about that. No, I'm talking about in the No Surprise There department, former U.S.U.N. Ambassador and Governor Nikki Haley endorsed Senator Tim Scott for his re-election bid this week. <laughs> you probably would have guessed that, even if I didn't tell you. Election filings show that Scott, who is running for his final Senate term, has plenty of money in the bank. I'm talking about $14.5 million, actually. That's thanks in part to a massive haul of $9.6 million between just April and June. But don't expect this race to turn into the $279 million slugfest we saw last year between Senator Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison. Scott's main opponent right now, State Representative Crystal Matthews, has raised $27,000 and currently has $16,000 on hand. Quite a paltry sum for a statewide race in a solid red state. 
As for a policy update, Senator Scott told Axios on Tuesday that he hopes the Senate will pass the bipartisan police reform bill by the end of July, saying, quote, I don't think we can do this after this month if we're not finished. And before we get into the business section, we're bringing back Nikki Haley with some more endorsement news. Haley was recently lunching on the Jersey Shore at Jared Kushner's father's beach house. Well, it was more of a fundraiser, actually, for Haley's Stand for America PAC as Haley ponders a 2024 bid. Vanity Fair reported that Charles Kushner predicted that Haley would be the first woman president, according to a source. Haley was reported to have said that she has, quote, a big decision to make at the beginning of 2023, quote. Jared and Ivanka were not present. They were in Aspen, but the couple was recently spotted with Nikki and her husband, Michael, at the Kiowa Island Beach Club. Let's lead off business with a number. Pick a number, any number. How about this one? The unemployment rate for South Carolina. It budged down to 4.5% in June from 4.6% in May. Was that your number? So it seems like the unemployment rate is back on its nonsense with these little tenth of a percent declines compared to in May when we saw it drop 0.4 points. Remember that? That was an exciting time. The largest such drop in months. But this came as the federal unemployment benefits also ended at the end of June, an effort to spur more folks to find jobs. We'll probably see that play out in next month's report. But Dan Elzey, remember he's the director of Do, which reports this data, said in a statement that, quote, employment growth in June continues to demonstrate the state's recovery and progress. While unemployed individuals dropped by more than 3,400, what is particularly exciting is that the number of people working increased by more than 12,000. That is nearly 9,000 people returning to the workforce from the sidelines, quote. Now, unemployment rates were up in every county, with Bamberg topping the list at 8.7% unemployment, and Lexington County at the bottom with 3.5% unemployment. Industries with the biggest gains were education and health services, trade, transportation, and utilities, as well as manufacturing. Financial services and the leisure and hospitality industries saw decreases. All right, so next number. What's the deal with inflation? Yes, that's all we seem to be hearing about from the business press these days, and that's because it's a pretty wild time. The new consumer price index numbers came out this week, and June had the biggest monthly gain since, get this, August of 2008. Woof, do not miss that year. With prices rising 5.4%. Actually, I do miss 2008. Now, when you remove the highly volatile food and energy prices and look at core inflation, that by itself increased 4.5%, which is the biggest move since September of 1991. I don't really remember that year. This according to CNBC. Used car and truck prices are fueling a lot of this since automakers are dealing with semiconductor shortages. Remember we talked about that? But to drill down a bit further, here is Tom Barkin. He's the head of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. That's the fifth district bank region, which includes South Carolina. He was talking about inflation recently at the Rotary Club in Atlanta, and it's about two minutes long, but Tom is really just breaking it down for you and telling you a little bit about what is impacting all of this. So it's a good listen. It's a listen up. You know, when you pick up the newspaper every day, uh, what you read about, what you hear about is inflation. And, you know, why wouldn't you? Um, you've got very uh, stimulative fiscal policy. You've got very accommodative monetary policy. You've got a huge amount of pent-up demand 
coming out of the uh, COVID uh, quarantine. You've got real supply chain issues in almost uh, every industry, not just materials, you know, things coming from overseas, but also labor, and you can't get people back to work. Commodity prices are up. Um, and, and so that, you know, feels like the essence of inflation. Of course, if you look at the last 12 months of, this is the PCE price index, which we watch, you'll see headline was about 3.9%, core was about 3.4%. So there is inflation, you know, in this time period. Um, one of the challenges we have as a central bank is that we think about inflation somewhat differently than most business people do. Most business people think about inflation as input costs. You know, my suppliers are coming to me with price increases. You know, what am I going to do? We actually look at consumer prices because not all of those price increases get passed on to consumers. Um, if you think about consumers, what they really care about um, and what motivates their expectations are food and gasoline prices. Yet we look at core inflation often, which takes out food and gasoline because they're so volatile. And that in most consumers are interested in what inflation looks like today. We're actually trying to look at it over a longer time frame and ask the question, where's inflation headed tomorrow? So there's a real difference in how we look at it. And if you look at where it's headed tomorrow, a couple numbers that at least give me some comfort. Um, if you look at the tips, which are the market measures of inflation compensation, they actually look like inflation will be for the next 10 years somewhere around 2%, which is our target. Another way to look at it is just look at what the price inflation's been since before COVID to today. That's about 2.4%. And so when you see this notion of skyrocketing inflation, you have to stop and say, now, wait a second, we shut the economy down, we brought it back up. A lot of the things that are in inflation, like used car prices, which are up because you can't get a new car, or airline tickets, which are up because they came down so far, or car rental prices, which are at levels that who can even imagine because they have no rental cars. All those things are temporary. And most people expect, and I expect over time, they're going to moderate back to normal levels. So a lot to chew on right there, plenty to think about. Again, this is a confluence of events as the entire world economy, which is still having plenty of moments, is getting restarted. And part of all this is housing costs, which are going up. And folks are getting pinched by that as well. Some are still recovering from the jolt of last year and are facing eviction. South Carolina Public Radio's Scott Morgan continues this important look at the eviction issue facing many in the state. It's pretty easy to see landlords as the bad guy when the backdrop is the end of the only remaining measure keeping residential tenants from being evicted. Well, some landlords might actually be bad guys, but this is a lot more complicated than Mr. Potter versus Bedford Falls. We've got some really nasty ones and we have some really, really, really kind ones that are saying I'm in a spot. Becca Clausen is not a landlord, but she talks to a lot of them from the executive director's chair at Hope in Lancaster. Hope mostly tries to keep people in stable housing situations, but Clausen says eviction relief for tenants actually gave landlords a bad deal. We're trying to help renters, but we're not trying to help landlords. Landlords will be getting money as emergency rental assistance funds very slowly roll out. But for a year and a half, a lot of property owners in South Carolina have collected very little money, which is a problem when they owe monthly mortgage payments to banks on properties they're renting out. For the smaller mom-and-pop landlords, now that's been a challenge. Jamie Devine is the president and CEO of Community Assistance Provider, or CAP, in Columbia, which owns and manages about 300 units in 15 South Carolina counties. They've either had to provide a second mortgage or work with their lender to provide maybe a half a payment or put the payment on the back end of the loan. CAP isn't a mom and pop, but it is a small not-for-profit. 
So it's a little different in that it provides information for assistance programs and financial education to renters. Devine says his agency actively communicates with tenants through newsletters and if someone is behind on rent for a couple of weeks, maybe a call from the president and CEO himself. Not to cajole, he says, but to see if something can be worked out. Our job is to help all we can, but at the same time, it's still a business. We still have to pay our bills. I have to meet payroll. I have to take care of our maintenance issues. There's also stuff like miscellaneous improvements, like, say, putting in new HVAC units in all the apartments. That's a couple hundred thousand dollars. So we have to save X amount of dollars for that from each of the units. So all of that adds up. Which means it subtracts up when residents don't pay their rent which happens even with landlords who want to find alternatives to eviction. We have about 10 families who have not paid us in 15 months. Uh, total outstanding is approximately eighty dollars to $100,000. That's um, pretty significant for us. And landlords have also had to contend with plenty of misguided and even misinformed tenants who don't understand what the CDC moratorium has and hasn't protected. Lila Anna Sauls, president and CEO of Homeless No More in Columbia, says conversations with her agency's clients have often gone something like this. Do you understand that you have to pay back rent since this moratorium was put in place? They didn't. They don't. And it gets more complicated outside of South Carolina's booming urban areas. Mom-and-pop landlord-tenant setups in rural towns aren't necessarily beholden to CDC moratorium guidelines, but as we reported in the past, rural landlords and renters are often less likely to know the ins and outs of complicated tenant laws. That's a concern for State Senator Mike Fanning. He worries about what it might mean if small one- or two-property landlords in rural towns can't collect any back rent. If we force the landowners that are renting their properties to either lose that because they couldn't make their payments on their mortgages or they just throw their hands up and say, I, I can't afford to even break even, then you're going to create a void that, that folks could come in that, that don't live in our communities. Translation, remote landlords and private equity investors who don't have any motivation to be part of the town that mom and pop once belonged to. Thanks, Scott. And now I know what you're thinking, like, oh, this is becoming Scott's podcast. Well, it's not becoming Scott's podcast, okay? It's mine. I got it from my father. He gets to come on when I tell him he gets to come on. No. But Scott may be working on his own podcast. I shouldn't have said anything. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> my dad's going to be pissed. No, but always appreciate Scott's great reporting. And you can find that and more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Now, I can't let you go without some more numbers on the way out here. If you have a child or children under 18, keep an eye on your bank account. Uncle Sam has sent out some $15 billion in payments to families of nearly 60 million children as part of the expanded child tax credit. How much you get depends on a few things. But for every child under 6, families will get up to $3,600 or $300 per month. Hmm, I should call my brother. For every child aged 6 to 17, the amount is $3,000 or $250 per month. Now, this starts phasing out for the higher-income families, including married couples that make $150,000 plus and file together. And this also phases out for single parents making over Now, I know I, this is our entire medical section for every episode recently, but 
It's the news, baby. This is what's going on here. People in America have easy access to vaccines that can save their lives, but they're still dying. Years of medical research and billions of dollars helped scientists and pharmaceutical companies develop life-saving vaccines within a year of the pandemic starting. Dying from COVID-19 in America is preventable, but people are still transmitting the virus, getting sick, and dying. Rates across the country and South Carolina continue to move up. We still have moderate transmission in the state, but health professionals and those on the front lines who have had a reprieve since seeing the worst of it in January are fearing another spike. Dr. Brandon Traxler, DHEC's Director of Public Health, said the rates are alarming. For the past few weeks, we've been cautioning South Carolinians about the surge in COVID-19 cases that we've seen in other states. That an increase in our state paired with our total fully vaccinated rate of only 43% is very concerning. Um, unfortunately, South Carolina is now experiencing a three-week increase in cases, um, and we are yet to break that 50% mark for people who have received at least one shot of their vaccine series. This is alarming. Um, three weeks ago, we saw an increase of 7.5% um, in cases compared to the week before, followed the next week by an 18% increase, and then last week, a 58% increase in number of cases. And it's not just cases. We know that everything is connected here when you get sick. Hospitalizations have jumped nearly 40% over the past three weeks. The vast majority of all these people are unvaccinated. There have been outbreaks at summer camps in several states due to unvaccinated people, especially those who are young and unvaccinated. But so far, there have not been any such situations in our state. As for the Delta variant, DHEC reports that there are 12 known cases in the state, and Traxler says there are more, but DHEC only randomly selects and tests samples to be sequenced for surveillance purposes. People cannot request that they have their test samples sequenced, just so you know. Here's Traxler. We are currently reporting out 12 um, instances of the Delta variant. Um, as we noted before, we know that there are more cases of the variant in our state. Um, since only a, a sample of positive COVID-19 specimens are sequenced to identify any variants, um, and data are showing that the proportion of Delta variants identified is increasing rapidly. Um, what is important to remember, though, about the Delta variant is that the current public health recommendations don't change with it. Um, getting vaccinated as soon as possible is the best way to protect against the virus and all of the variants, um, including the Delta one. And if you aren't fully vaccinated yet, you need to be wearing a mask in public and refraining from close contact with others. So again, some alarming trends there that are occurring in our state and other states. We have safe, effective vaccines. AT and I have both been vaccinated as well as members of our families and our good friends. We can end this virus, like Dr. Traxer said, by just rolling up our sleeves. Getting COVID is not safer than the vaccine. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us what's going on, how you're doing with things, how the summer's going. Maybe you hate the summer. Maybe you're ready for Christmas. Well, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I love the summer. So you hate what, Christmas. <laughs> I don't hate Christmas. I mean, that the powers, my powers of deduction here says no, you hate Christmas. I don't like the winter as much as I like the summer. Okay, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, you can talk about the seasons with us at 803-563-7169. Leave us a message, your name, where you're calling from, your favorite season. 
Oh, yeah. Any number that you picked during the business section. <laughs> yeah, let us know what numbers you yeah, said. We got a lot of picked. numbers today. But here are some more numbers for you. 803-563-7169. <laughs> now, AT, I'm told that we have a voicemail. Yes, we have a voicemail, and this is someone that I spoke directly to in the last episode. <laughs> and uh, she called. We have a few other voicemails, but uh, when you responded directly to me, I'm going to I'm gonna jump you in the list a little bit, yeah, okay? So, yeah, call us and tell us your season. You'll be front of the list. Oh, yeah. If, if you tell me your season and the number, and I like them, you're going up top. <laughs> baby. Okay, so here we go. Hi, this is Aaron in Clover. Yes, I was so excited when you mentioned F9, but then I was disappointed that you didn't give it like a like a breakdown and everything, but I understand spoilers for whoever hasn't seen it already. What? It was amazing. Exceeded all my expectations. The first car chase scene, gasp. Uh, Helen Mirren doing J-turns, amazing. Uh, everything, everything with a Pontiac, get out of town. So great. I ended up, local movie theaters were not a problem. I went to visit my brother in Valparaiso, Indiana, and we saw it up there on the 4th of July, America. So it was amazing. Loved it. Loved it. Can't wait to hear more about it. You guys breaking it down. I'll probably see it again. But I wanted to say also that coronavirus-related, before Fast and Furious, after I got my second vaccine and waited two weeks, my brother and I decided to take a road trip because we didn't get to take any in 2020. And we're like, buzz and Todd, got to hit the road. So we decided to go to Steubenville, Ohio, birthplace of Dean Martin, one of my personal idols. And it was amazing. Everyone there was so nice. And we just happened to get a tour of Fort Steuben by the mayor. It was great. So I want to encourage everybody to get vaccinated and go explore America. Hit the road. You don't have to drive fast, but it doesn't hurt. I hope everyone's having a great summer and just, yeah, have a great summer. Thanks for everything. Bye. Aaron, I love the shade in the beginning. I'll, I'll go see this movie. Yeah. And, and you watch it Independence Day. What a great way to celebrate freedom, <laughs> America, like you said. And I'll take the bait. I'll go watch it. I'll t- yeah, she's selling it on me sold, more than she, anyone else yeah, has. If, if I say it, Gavin's like, absolutely Thank not. you, Aaron. Aaron calling in. She's getting Gavin to do his his well, patriotic duty yeah. My to God. see this movie. Well, and, you know, also sounds like she's a big summer fan, too. So I'm, yeah. I'm back in that there. I, I like that she's driving Fast and Furious, drifting around this country. But it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yes, uh, I've never been to Steubenville, Ohio. I don't believe. I went to school. You don't believe in it? Uh, I don't want to. Yeah. Well, there's a lot not to believe in. No. I'm looking it up. I'm trying to put it. It's right on the border down there with Pennsylvania. Yeah. Great, great state. state. Great, great state, state of Pennsylvania. Um, you're not too far from Pittsburgh at that point, but this is beyond, this is, you know, south of Youngstown. I went to school at, at Kent State. Yep. So not too far, actually, from Steubenville. Uh, then I lived and worked in Lima, Ohio. Not Lima. Lima. Like, like the, the bean. bean. <laughs> and, and then went to the big city of Columbus for a year. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I made my way around Ohio, but not to Steubenville, unfortunately, but I'm I'm all for a road trip. Yeah, so I support well, that. I, I go to Ohio, see the, see what it's see, like. People. Seeing this movie, The Fast and Furious mm-hmm. F Nine, is like a road trip for your soul, Gavin. But uh, on that, on a note of that caliber, yes. uh, another another soul uh, soul trip is uh, Josh's news every single week. So Josh, <laughs> how, oh, how the I heck are you, bud? Yeah, before I'm we get great. into more Fast and Furious, don't, it's don't a great get me intro. St- I appreciate. I that. mean, you deserve every second of it, Josh. <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Oh, now that Gavin has acquiesced to my constant demand that he sees this movie. Aaron's request. Aaron's request. <laughs> By uh, way of Aaron. Uh, Josh, I'm great. Yeah, so, we good. had 
intern lunch this week. They got Moe's. Welcome to Moe's. And I had three burritos. <laughs> I had two, and then I made myself a plate of okay. nachos. But yeah. I'm, still yeah. hung, I'm still hung up on this. Gavin downs three burritos, but only five pieces of pizza I at had the to roller skate. Rink. Which I, <laughs> yeah, I had to skate. I am hung up on this five number. I, five is nothing <laughs> remarkable. Did that you is, guess five? That, I guessed eleven. I know. I was ready I to know. be wowed, and you—you you really. Did under- you guess five? I'm talking to the people. Did you, was, was five your number in the business section? No, I mean, I had to roller skate. I couldn't just sit there and just shovel pizza in my mouth. I had to get on the floor and possibly strain my foot, I, which I, I didn't. I'm embarrassed for you. Okay, well, I couldn't. I couldn't eat anymore. I'm embarrassed for you. And at the Josh, end of the night, and at the end of the night, my friend Maya's like, "You don't have to finish that slice if you don't want to." Lie, you do. And I'm like, "I have to. I, it's free." Crying tears. Yeah. What other chances do you get unlimited pizza though? Exactly. Every Wednesday. Exactly. Every Wednesday in Elgin. Capitalize. Elgin. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's a buffet. Or just they just they put them out and the kids just come by on their skates and just Ooh, hammer it. Yeah, ball, it's a bro. great date night. If you need a cheap date, all you can drink Pepsi Gavin products. Gavin takes himself and cries and eats these pizzas. Anyway, Josh, <laughs> yeah, let's sorry, go. Josh. Let's get this news. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> the housing market, to get a little serious here. A is, very apropos. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty intense right now as people are scrambling to buy houses and realtors and homeowners are getting tons of cash offers from, from for their properties. Mm-hmm. I know personally I've been getting text messages from random numbers offering to buy my dad's house in Spartanburg. Hmm. And usually I'll get like two or three messages a week, and it's a different number every time. And, you know, they, they, they basically, they're very persistent. Regardless yeah. of, you know, the state of the house, they don't really care much. They're just trying to... They're basically saying, you know, can we negotiate a price? Can we, you know, and it's not even for sale. This house of your no, no, wow, no, it's no, just, just cold calling, cold texting. It's just a ha- cold text. Yeah, are either of you having that issue? Or no, no people who are no one would dare. I have yeah. signs in front of my house that says no offers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So I recently. <laughs> well, some places don't let you put any signs on your on your yard, so that's yeah. You that's think some in of the. Sh- and they that, would be against yeah, it. I'm going to bleep that out. <laughs> Bleeping that out. But I, anyway, if there was a rule for no flags, that would just mean more flags. Right. Anyway. Yeah, no HOA over there. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So I recently saw a headline about a realtor selling a home, and based on her asking price, she seems confident in getting the sale, which I don't blame her. I should say this is in Denver, so prices are different there compared to here. Mm-hmm. Um, headline reads, urine-saturated home oh, dubbed <laughs> little slice of hell. <laughs> <laughs> listed for $590,000. What? The what? <laughs> but the kicker is the, the, the tour video she made for um, on her website. Yeah. Uh, in the video, she made, um, she basically gave a tour of the house and she talks about everything that's wrong with the house, but she does it in a very charming way, which is really killer. Mm-hmm. So here's some, here's some quotes. You will also notice there is not one surface of the home that has not been enhanced with black spray paint (laughs) or a swinging hammer. (laughs) But don't let that slow you down. It's not nearly as daunting as the freezer in the basement that's full of meat and hasn't had electricity for over a year. (laughs) Oh, my God. So be sure to wear your mask. (laughs) That's there's also a back patio. But don't go out there as the deck is not necessarily attached to the house in the manner you might hope. (laughs) Now, I'm leaving a lot of things out because it's pretty gross. Oh, God. And I want to keep it PG for the airwaves Thank here. Thank you. Go hard R. Um, let's go. But the best part is the effects. She backs the whole video with horror movie sound effects mm, also. Mm, mm, mm. And um, she was interviewed afterward, and the real estate agent told the local news channel she received 
16 written cash offers in the first 24 oh hours. What? And about 89 text messages. This is, oh. I mean, great advertising job by yeah. her, for yeah. real. You really yeah. got to sell that. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Whew, I'm glad I'm sitting down for that one. I guess I have to watch this video now. I guess I got to pee all over out. my house. See, see what $590,000 <laughs> can get me on Oh, Colorado. every surface, every flat surface was graffitied with black paint. I think yeah. the person was probably evicted and just really angry. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah. We've all been there. You know, just got just to flip that house. There. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it sounds like she did. Unreal. I, I will tell you, I'm always watching those house flipping shows when I'm at the gym because it's like there's a bank of TVs, right? So you got like yeah. your news, you got HGTV, HGTV, you get SVU, you get the USA Network, all that stuff. Yeah. And I bring this up to say that I was not only exposed to HGTV at the gym, yes, but to another Fast and the Furious yes, movie, yes, 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 Tokyo Drift, yes, which I texted you promptly saying none of this makes sense, which is not surprising to say when you associate with Fast and the Furious because none of it makes it sense. It doesn't make sense, but that one's like its own little self-contained. It it was self-contained part. for a very long time, but but then they liked Han in that movie mm-hmm. who dies at the end of it. Yes, and so then they went back and they were like, "How do we get Han into these into future movies?" Mm. So they retconned it, even though it was the third movie out. It's now the sixth or seventh in the series by the the <sighs> timeline in the movie, mm. so they could bring him back, and then he dies. But then, in F9, they bring him back again after he was already dead. I can't. Wow. Yeah. I thought Star Wars was confusing. No, this yeah. is, it is literally like a, a soap opera, but yeah. like even dumber, so which is the best part about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, anyway, I was watching Tokyo Drift, and I was like, I gotta get out of here. And all the guys from was, Tokyo Drift are back in this movie, in yeah. F9. Bow Wow. Bow ba- Wow is back. And what's-his-face that was supposed to be a teenager was probably, like, 30. Yes, and he looks much <laughs> better than he does <laughs> in Tokyo Drift. But ba- seeing Bow Wow in, this, uh, in F9 was jarring. I kept thinking, yeah, I was like... I wasn't ready. It doesn't look like him at first. You have to like re reorganize your brain to re- recognize him. I was like, "That's not Paul Walker. Who is this? What is this? Is yeah. this some? Is this? This is, not, is this? this is not There's, Paul Walker. I mean, there's vehicle. so much drifting going on. But I was like, this doesn't seem like. And then, sure enough, like you said, at the end of that one, which I didn't get to because I was had enough. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Vin Diesel just shows up, and then it's like credits. Yeah, Vin Diesel has a has a, a no lines in the movie, just a nod, but it says it says volumes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, on that note, I'll I'll leave it there with yes. Vin Diesel with this image in everyone's head of Vin Diesel rolling up to the podcast studio, being like. Just nodding. Billy. He leads, laughs, and loves. You know what I mean? He really does. But yeah, say goodbye, Gavin. All right, folks. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to the pod. Show us your appreciation by leaving us a voicemail like Aaron did at 803-563-7169 or a review on iTunes. We appreciate that. You can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. He won't let me eat my cheese. My cheese sticks. <laughs> you better believe I'm bringing that up in the end. That's fine.